This is Connor. And this is Paul. And, and welcome, welcome to Silver Screamers, your decade-marveling, genre-avenging film podcast. There's been speculation that I was involved in the events that occurred on the freeway and the rooftop. Stick to the cards, Paul. The truth is, I am Podcast Man. Week two of Week superhero two season. Of superheroes, uh, welcome along. I have to say, normally we have to when we do these seasons, we do a little bit of research and we do, we watch films related to the theme in the in between in betwixt the episodes. And sometimes you, we kind of have to force ourselves. In heist week, we're like, come on, and we gotta yeah. watch a few heists. We didn't have to uh, force ourselves to watch. So we've been watching no. Marvel films left, right, and center. How many have you watched? Probably. I think we've watched every single Tony Stark film. We watched all the Iron Mans. We watched and we watched all the Avengers. And we watched all the Avengers. We didn't watch the Spider Man ones, and he's in them. And we haven't watched. Well, I watched one of the Thor's. Well, he's not in them. Um, yeah, so we've been we've uh, been marvelled. Yeah. It's not on Disney Plus, which is kind of annoying. Oh, why? Because it's not Disney. It's Sony. Oh, but. Oh right, Sony leased the rights back to Marvel or something. Or no, it's like a joint project. Kevin Feige produces them, I believe, but Sony own and make them. It's just that they're like there's some sort of business agreement that they can share the universe, but they're owned by Sony. Oh, that's an interesting decision, though, isn't it? Because now it's in Sony's interest to keep those rights, not to sort of sell them back to. Uh, oh, they ain't letting go. Jesus, Sony have nothing else. <laughs> yeah, so. I guess I suppose one of the things we'll talk about in this is the weird uh, traction that Marvel went on to create this incredible cinematic universe, the likes of which has never been seen before and has been copied since, but no other studio has Has come Has been copied since? Well, a few other studios have tried. Mm, I don't know if, like, we're talking DC, I assume. I mean, DC is the only one who've come close. But have probably failed miserably. I don't think you could say failed miserably. I mean, Wonder Woman was a big hit. They've gotten some movie good, mm, well, some movies out of it, Aquaman but they haven't. Was a big hit. They haven't. Uh, well, they haven't established the longevity of Marvel. No, 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 no. They want. So I guess well, Marvel. They they took their time. Like they released this film, Iron Man. This was the to start it all yeah. off. And to be fair, I, I've this is quite a relatively small film. You know, the end of the world isn't nigh. It's, you know, it's a mm. small superhero film. And then all the Avengers films, um, Captain America and Hulk, the first Hulk, and Thor, and then Iron Man 2. Again, all kind of relatively small action self-contained films. Self-contained. Introductions to these people. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> patient films, I would say. Character the patient films. films and patient universe. Yeah. And then... Then once all the characters are well established, bam, we get Avengers. Yeah. And then it just it and then since then it's just snowballed. It has just snowballed and we we trust them, so we allow them to kinda of get a bit weird. Um well DC were like they released Man of Steel, then did nothing for like there was a big gap there. Yeah. And then they released they were like, okay, obviously we want to do... I think I th- the thing is, when Man of Steel was released, it was around the same time that the Dark Knight trilogy had happened. All right, so that's two thousand five. I think even Christopher Nolan might have had some sort of producer role in Man of Steel. I don't know. So I don't think there was ever a talk that <laughs> the Christian Bale Batman was gonna 
tie in with in I don't think that was the case but obviously they wanted this and then I think Man of Steel kind of did okay and then nothing really happened and then Marvel were like just trucking along so then they were like right well we'll just make Batman be Superman which to me was just with a different Batman and then they go back into the backstory of Batman a bit and you're just like oh just stop well come on I suppose I can sympathize because they probably felt we can't do another bloody Batman film we you know there has just been this huge big trilogy well they are now but like this is back about five six years ago um so they want they went and then they introduced wonder woman that which i think was the most successful part of batman v superman and then she had her own film which was great and then aquaman had his own film but it's it's sort of yeah it's uh chicken before the egg isn't it it's 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 not like marvel has gradually built up these characters and has allowed you to get to know them um, and then brought them all together and you get the little easter egg at the end of each of the early ones you know uh tony stark going to hulk and saying oh come on join the avengers and, mm. and nick fury and all the rest of it uh, but batman and batman versus superman you got okay the original man of steel superman you got a new batman you've got now uh, wonder woman which was a taster for then Wonder Woman movie, which was very successful. But it just seems like it's not, they're doing it back to front. And in, was it that or was it, no, it was Justice League. Then they introduced Flash and Cyborg, was it? Yeah. Again. Who we had not met. I hadn't met them. Yeah. I also think when you watch Batman versus Superman, the film is so preoccupied with what's going to be in the next few films that it wasn't worried enough about what it was showing you now. Mm. So like, to be fair to all the Marvel films, every single Marvel film, there's always little teasers about what's going to happen in the future, but it's still primary focus is on what's happening now. I mean, even in the first Guardians of the Galaxy film, there's no nothing. mention, nothing. Yeah. And even in the, the only thing, one, actually, well, the Thanos, only thing in the, in the first Guardians, it's all about the, the Power Stone. So that is, but it's relevant to the story they're telling. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's relevant and it's a self-contained story in its entirety, but it's still introducing one of the Infinity Stones, which is obviously going to lead on to Infinity War. Yeah, but Batman v Superman, there's this whole sequence where Batman finds clips of Aquaman and finds Mm. clips of Flash. And then he has this whole, uh, 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 he has this whole like vision of the future with like, and Flash comes to him and, and it's like, you know what, don't worry about this. Just tell us a good story. And then at the very end of it, give us a little... hint of something to come in the future but just apart from marvel and dc there are other like did you know they were going to try and do like a a universal monsters universe that that seems so did you so they did a batman no a dracula film a few years ago like dracula beyond or dracula untold maybe it was untold i didn't see it and then they did the tom cruise mummy film oh yeah i never saw that no it was apparently just terrible just but it wasn't based on the brendan fraser mummy was it no no no, no. it's based on it's just based on a mummy i don't think there was anything but the idea was that all these characters are owned by universal you know the old the old universe yeah. frankenstein bride yeah. of frankenstein and then they they uh, and the idea was that they were going to build up this big city and they were going to then so they had got like big cast involved i think johnny depp was to play uh, the invisible man they had gotten uh, I think maybe Angina Jolie was maybe t- t- toyed with playing Bride of Frankenstein. So like they had got, they had certainly done a photo shoot, for, you know, one of those Empire magazines, yeah. like and, and interviews and stuff. But the Mummy crashed, so 
bad yeah and just got such bad reviews that they were just oh and then invisible man came out anyway but they just were like let's just make this a horror film that is not concerned about any weird universe that was a great movie and it was a great film yeah and it was fine and like nobody's seeing that being like oh i want to see that invisible let's man because in we can't afford him <laughs> well i mean uh, yeah i don't know johnny depp i don't think even he was fired from fantastic beasts I suppose you could say I think the Harry Potter universe are trying to do that with Fantastic Beasts but again failing miserably failing the second one was awful yeah and also they're all original characters so it's not like that's different that is a bit different to be fair that's a that's the same world brand new story that's more just like a new franchise to be fair okay Um, but this it is kind of this new thing now where like if you were these big films they kind of almost need you almost need to be feeding into a big franchise to really attract the big numbers. Like Avatar has like eight sequels planned. And yeah, but the first one was 10 years ago, at I least know. 10 years ago. Yeah, but I think James Cameron has like made Avatar 2, 3 and 4 all at the same time or something. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't a huge fan of Avatar. I mean, but nobody um, is for a film that was so successful. Like it, really didn't leave much mark well, you see world. I think there was so much hype about it people just went to it because uh, it was quite grand for its time and the graphics and all the rest of it but actually when you stripped it all back it wasn't it was kind of fern gully with blue people eight sequels my God. I don't know I'm, I don't know but that's the 800 <laughs> that was the number I spat out but a lot of sequels I don't know, but I, I suppose, in fairness, though, he's obviously he's he's taking his time about thinking about it and and creating something epic. This is his opus or whatever, mm. you know. I mean, don't count out James Cameron. He's never had a flop. Everyone said Titanic was a was a ridiculous film. Nobody was going to go see this huge, big, epic film. About I'm not saying it's going to be a flop. No, I'm not. Well, 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 I am. <laughs> I don't. No. I can't really see. I don't feel like there's much buzz for Avatar two, but like. Well, when's it meant to come out? I don't you know when's any film meant to come out. I don't even know. I think I sh- I imagine it's been pushed back, but it's been talked about for years. Well, maybe I'll look up on IMDb. Mm. Um, gosh, we went on a bit of a tangent there, didn't we? I've done so something very Mar- difficult. Marvel did something very well. DC not doing so well. And well, and but to be fair, I think DC are still doing the best out of anyone else, and because every studio is trying this. Well, I suppose DC probably have the biggest characters. The second, you know, it's the most, uh, it's the most comparable. But no, I'd say, I think Star Wars are start, are have kind of tried this as well because they have their main line, but they've mm. also tried to do other films in the same universe, such as Rogue One, such as uh, the yeah. the uh, Han Solo of, film. Yeah. And I people the hunger for it isn't there. After, I feel like people got fatigued of the Star Wars universe compared to Marvel, where we are like 20 odd films in and there's no fatigue showing. The difference is, I think, that in the Star Wars universe, a lot, okay, so a lot of these films, like Han Solo, is looking uh, at a backstory for Han Solo. The new Star Wars films was a progression of a current story. And it's not, it's not really building upon itself to say, okay, well, here's Iron Man and here's a movie about him and here's Hulk and here's a movie and here's Captain America and now they're all together and isn't that great? And then there's conflict between them in Civil War and then, and then building the building a future for these characters and also knowing when to wrap it up uh, in Infinity War or Endgame. Uh, Star Wars, I don't think, is doing it in the same way. It's kind of, it's it's just kind of 
making movies around the original sort of storyline and then making them fit in. Uh, I think Rogue One was probably the most successful because that was a self-contained story, which at the end then led into the the, the yeah the you know the Death Star and, and Princess Leia getting the plans to the Death Star. I I think one of the big weaknesses with Star Wars as well is that there's not enough variety within that universe. If you look at like the Marvel films, like Iron Man feels like a very different film to Thor, mm-hmm. which feels like a no- completely different film to Guardians, yeah, uh, than to Spider Man. That's all the and then Doctor Strange is its own thing as well. Yeah, they do feed in fairly cohesively when they in the Avengers films and stuff. While Star Wars, even though the characters different characters, the feel of Rogue One isn't a million miles away from uh, Han Solo and from the the, the Skywalker trilogies. There's, yeah. You know, so it doesn't feel that different. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but I think the there is less originality because in in Star Wars particularly. You, like because like Star Trek have had a load of successful movies. Um, no, I mean, I think the, the last world. the last one floundered a bit. And that's when Nemesis did really well. It was the one before that that wasn't great. A couple of them aren't great. Not Nemesis. No, like the the, oh, one, the newer ones. The newer ones. The last. Oh one yeah, didn't. yeah, The newer ones didn't. The, the newer ones did. The first two did, were really good. The third one was a, a sort of brand new storyline which didn't do very well. But. Yeah, it was but like Star Wars is it's always coming back to the Death Star yeah it was like Death Star 1 destroyed Death Star 2 destroyed Death Planet in the new ones you know or this is how the Death Star is created this is how we got the plans to the Death Star you know so it, it's not got the originality I think but at the, at the same time with Star Wars we got one film a year uh, and then once the Han Solo was released six months after one of the Skywalker films, I can't remember which one. Yeah. And it was almost like, oh, that's too close. And that's why that was blamed. With Marvel, you're getting three of these films out a year. And with Star Trek, I mean, you're talking every two to three years with a Star Trek film coming out. So, you you know, in theory, that should be enough time for people to kind of get revved up again. Mm. But with Marvel, there is a hunger like three times a year. That's incredible. Like you see a film at Christmas and then come May there's another film in the same franchise and there's still a hunger that is really incredible yeah, yeah it's very impressive um, and now we haven't had a, a Marvel film since Spider-Man 2 and the world is like <laughs> giving me freaking yeah uh, like obviously poor Black Widow's film got delayed um, poor Scarlett Johansson she's been for years she's been like I just want my own film and then finally after spoiler alert for uh, Endgame killing her off they're like oh yeah we'll give you a film that I guess is flashback and then it gets postponed well I'm sure she's filmed it already so I mean she's just she, she oh. probably doesn't care she's just uh, waiting for it to like yeah, I don't, I'm sure she wants her film to be a big I, I'm smash. sure she does but at the same time these actors they go from one project to the next to the next project to the next and like by the time these you know uh, but like this as a character that she's been playing for years like over 10 years she has nurtured this character of Natasha uh, Roganoff Romanoff Romanoff and uh, I think I think she's such a great character and she's nursed her and she's become she's the heart of Avengers and finally she gets her own film and it's just like oh no it's it's not getting it. it there's even talk it might just get released straight to Disney plus like come on Scarlett Johansson's gonna be annoyed with uh, not annoyed but that's got a sting maybe I don't know Ah, it yes. depends on the person, I suppose. It depends on the actor. I think we probably personalize it more than the actor would, because as I said, 
actors are going from one project to the next all the time and by the time one movie's coming out it's it's two years down the line and they're just like oh well, whatever I'm, well, I'm, I'm going I'm playing something Hamlet now in the, in uh, the play yeah but I mean her no but she's she's played a, a supporting role for so long and now she's like playing she's playing the lead role in a film that she's she has campaigned for years to get this all to ground so no I think I think Scarlett Johansson I don't, I don't think that's trivial to say that she'd be disappointed that this film she's campaigned personally for years to get made isn't getting the launch that you know it would have gotten it may, it might still, but now it looks like it's going to be a May release, and I don't know if cinemas will be back by May. I think I'll be. I don't. My dreams of seeing Wonder Woman in the cinema, I think, are slowly getting diminished. I just want to watch that now. It's on. It's on Sky. You should just watch it. So, so yeah. Before we go into this film on a smaller, more micro scale, while we listen to Connor. So you're listening to Silver Screamers. Silver Screamers is our film podcast where we pick a theme or genre and dissect four films in that theme or genre from different decades. And this week we are covering... I am Iron Man. In our superhero series. I was thinking about this earlier on and I was like, oh, I'll be disappointed when superhero series is over because all the films are great. Um, And we have had issues i suppose in that most of these movies are in the 2000s or 2010s so we're kind of limited so this is the only mcu film we can do yeah according to our rules and we've done yeah wonder right. woman but to uh, be fair i mean i think one one film this universe and then we can because they don't but have what i was gonna say was, we can always come back to and do comic book season or we could do super villain season anti-hero season anti-hero season yeah so we will we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get around our stupid rules <laughs> that our constitution somehow yeah uh do you do you know like do you remember when this paul for yeah you did not go to the cinema to see this you no. told me no because I you didn't. thought it was going to be another naff kind of well i so I said this in the last episode I was a comic book kid and in the kind of the this was 2008 isn't that right yes okay so if you rewind like 10 years I was big into comics Iron Man Iron Man was not a comic character that I was particularly attracted to he he was I would say a B-list would be a generous title for Iron Man I would say verging on C-list maybe on the lower end of B-list, but certainly, certainly not A-list. And the comics I would have read would have been X-Men and Spider-Man and with a little bit of Daredevil and a little bit of maybe some more obscure characters from the Marvel Universe and Wonder Woman as well. And then they started, like, so when X-Men the film came out, like, and then Spider-Man as well, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man film, like, they were big, big deals for, for me. You know, they were finally seeing these on screen. And I liked them at the time. But then suddenly you got this, uh, like, then there was Daredevil, which I think is a pretty... Have you seen the Ben Affleck Daredevil? Yeah, uh, once back when it first came out, yeah, it was yeah, pretty crap. It's not great. It's, I mean, I don't actually think it's a terrible film, but it's just not uh, great. And then there was Elektra, which wasn't good. And then there was bloody fucking Catwoman. And then, there, and then it there was just... I just kind of felt around this time, if they had lost their their steam all these comic book films they were just they were just churning out these they were shite. just churning them out and then the Fantastic Four I think it was actually the Fantastic Four because I, I, I had gotten a, I had read Fantastic Four as a kid and, I, and they were a team I, I liked a lot and I, and I 
really did not like those two films. Mm. Did you see them? Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're really bad. So Chris Evans as well. Yeah, yes. I, I remember <clears throat> watching Chris Evans going. So I, I remember around the early 2000s, or late, I mean, mid-2000s, hearing that Marvel had gone into financial trouble around the late 90s, and they ended up selling Spider-Man to Sony... So they sold it around the mid-90s and then they started churning out these movies, was it? So they sold Sp- Spider-Man to Sony and whatever contract, they, they like didn't even get like like for pittance, like like a couple of hundred thousand, I believe. Um, Jesus, they must have been really oh, fucked. I know. I mean, you're talking now about a comic book company. They're, they weren't the, the empire that we know them as now. And whatever contract that was, that is for life. Sony owned that ca- character for the end of time like there is there's not like any sort of stipulation they also sold and does that include like all the comic books everything so Marvel can still produce those comics but I still believe that they have to pay Sony pay uh, Sony get like certain royalties like madness Jesus madness they also sold the rights to uh, Daredevil and Fantastic Four but there was some sort of stipulation with them that if they don't make if the I don't actually know where they were sold to but I think it might have been Sony as well actually who um, it doesn't matter but whoever uh, the, the stipulation was if those characters weren't used in a film every 10 years then the rights would revert back to Marvel which is now why Fantastic Four and Daredevil is owned by Marvel again but I thought they made that Fantastic Four movie with the young fellas they 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 did and the only reason they made that film was so they would keep the rights I think that was actually by Fox and Fox have since been absorbed by Disney oh, right, okay. so that's probably where they get them but Daredevil the rights just lapsed and they went back to Marvel did they make the Daredevil movie in 2000 and no that 11? was like no that was like nine, that was about 2001 so it must be 20 years that they had to make it I don't know what it was but it might have only been 10 years but it doesn't matter there was a set amount of time they had if, to, the, if the rights are only lapsing now in 2021 Oh, so Daredevil, the TV show, is like four years old. But they had to make a movie, I thought you said. Well, they had to use the character in some sort of media, maybe not film. So, or maybe they had to use him in a film and they didn't. Therefore, the the rights went back to Marvel and they put Daredevil on TV. But the fact is, Daredevil wasn't used by whatever... Okay. Production company made the film Daredevil, and and these and then uh, and then the X Men film, the X Men characters went to, to Fox. So I guess at the and then obviously they were big hits. So I guess at this stage, someone at Marvel was like, "Stop it! <laughs> Stop it! These companies are making stupid money off our, our properties, and we've sold most of them." So they obviously had a meeting, and they were like, "What the fuck do we have left?" <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Iron Man. Yes, Iron Man. Thor. Now it's so we have to think back to their mid two thousands. Thor was this Viking god who like i can't remember a thor comic growing up certainly was and like to me thor was quite a corny character like he would have had wings on his helmet and stuff um the hulk had been made into a film and those rights as opposed to wonder woman having like the hey they didn't make a star spangled (laughs) look they didn't make a film back then of wonder woman because they didn't know how to do it and they it took a few years you know Thor, yeah, and then um, Hulk, I guess they did make a film, but I think similar to Daredevil, the rights seemed to lapse and go back to Marvel, and then... They made an Eric, what's his name, Eric Banner one. Yeah, that, that's Ang Lee, uh, Ang Lee, Ang, the guy Ang who did Brokeback uh, Mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never seen that, apparently it's not great. I've seen it, I can't remember it. Um, and then, so they had these, so, and then Cap- Captain America 
throws his mighty shield to all those who might yield it. Like for, these for were the 1930s not. Or something. These were not. This was not Wolverine and yeah. Spy. This was they a. Weren't the cool d- ones. So I guess when but, I yeah, they luckily they were the Avenger characters. Well, that's true. Yes. So I guess going back to my when when I heard that they made this film. And they were making these. I was just like, "This is a terrible idea." And I had lost faith in comic book films. So I, mm. so really, I, I had, I definitely saw Iron Man before Avengers, but I remember just seeing loads of reviews for Avengers that it was getting great reviews across the board, and then seeing Avengers and being like, "This is amazing. This is a this is the comic book film that I wanted X Men to be." They weren't like, "Oh, yellow spandex is embarrassing, so let's put them in all black leather." No, they were like, "No, fucking Captain America wears the American flag, and Thor wears a silly red cape, and Iron Man is red and gold." That's that's fine. They're superheroes. They shouldn't have to be wearing. They don't have to be all dark and brooding. They're bloody superheroes. Let's not update it. Let's keep it to why people love these characters. Exactly, because even though I did love the old X Men comics, the, the films. I think, I, I, though I, did, I think they got silly and crap quickly enough. There is a slight embarrassment. They obviously they can tell that they were like, oh, well, we can't, um, we can't have Wolverine. Well, they even comment on it. What did you expect? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it's worked for them for thirty yeah. years. It's grand. So that's my experience, and I and I that's my experience with this film. So um, you didn't see Iron Man until Avengers came out. No, I, I definitely seen Iron Man. Like I don't maybe on the telly or something, and I did think it was good. I didn't see Iron Man two, I did, and I didn't see Thor, and I didn't see Captain America. Really, I, I saw Iron Man, and probably so you skipped all that and went straight to Avengers. I saw Iron Man, then Avengers. Wow! And then I kind of I was ahead of you then. Yeah, you were, and, and thank God it, it was because I was like, no, I've been let down too many times. I don't care about these characters. If I didn't like bloody the X Men, if if the X Men films are boring me now, and Fantastic Four was crap. Uh, who I like why would I go see a bloody Thor film who I don't like anyway I would have thought though yeah I kind of think even if it was, even if there was a like I'm a, I'm a Star Trek fan so I, I'm I'm a sci-fi fan when you're a comic book fan uh, the newest season of Star Trek I didn't particularly think was great but I kind of still watched it just because it's Star Trek you know and I, I will probably watch the next one as well just because it's Star Trek I would have thought just because you're a fan of comic book heroes, you would have just you know gone uh, to them. Anyway. I mean, I wasn't. I guess I wasn't act. But again, you have to put yourself back into th- there was comic or, book films coming out left, right, and center. The Batman Begins trilogy was going coming out at this time. There was the Green Lantern film. That Ryan Reynolds was around this time as well. There was uh, that Will Smith Hancock film came out. Like there, this was not the only. There was other properties that weren't great as well. So for me, this just got lost. I quite enjoyed Hancock. Well, this to me, looking back on it, just got a little bit lost in the. Well, fair enough. If this got lost, but then, then Iron Man. Then you saw they made a sequel. Then you saw they were making Captain America. Then you, saw, and by by some stage, you, you I would have thought you yeah, had heard had Avengers. Yeah, well, I mean, like okay, you would have surely would have heard. Oh, uh, Iron Man was great, and Iron Man Two was okay. I did and, like Iron Man. Yeah. I did see Iron Man, before, like, and I did think it was good. Yeah. Uh, but even okay well Thor actually I watched Thor it wasn't the first one wasn't great I think it's better than Thor 2 it took them a while to figure out how to use um, Chris Hemsworth yeah and it probably took Chris Hemsworth some time to figure out the character that he ought to be with Thor because he was very I am mighty well it might have been a way he was directed but he was so good in Avengers and then then when they went to Thor 2 they were like bringing him back to 
the way he was acting in Thor 1. So I think Joss Whedon, who is a <laughs> dangerous character to talk with these uh. days, to be fair to him, he knew how to use Chris Hemsworth. And then Chris Hemsworth, who I don't even know who directed, I think Thor 2 was directed by a Game of Thrones director, actually. He kind of seemed to revert back to the serious Viking Thor and not the what hilarious comic. Well, what did... Uh, what did what, how was he that different in Avengers? I thought he was still okay. There was these kind of Avengers. There was these Joss Whedon-y funny bits that Joss Whedon will put in, regardless of whether it's Chris Hemsworth or not. But I think he was Chris Hemsworth was still trying to play the "I am mighty Thor" kind of character, rather than when you see him in Thor uh, three, where he's. I mean, that, I, I, I guess that's like really amping up because that's a goofy film in the best possible way. But like, like he, like I just think Chris Hemsworth's delivery of like, he's my brother, he's adopted, and and in in Thor and Avengers: Age of Ultron with his kind of like little spats with Tony over their uh, Jane versus Pepper Potts, and mm. and then his his pan, look of panic when uh, Chris Hemsworth just nudges just nudges the hammer. Chris Evans, uh, so Chris Evans nudges the hammer, and like Thor's face is like whoa whoa whoa. <laughs> that's just then, that's uh, so good. He seems fine though when Vision takes it up and gives it to him. Yeah, but at the very end, Vision, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a little Vision's joke. Vision. Just a little joke. And that's re- I really like at the end of Civil War. Is it is it Civil War? Where they're like, but if you put it in a lift, the lift still goes up and all this kind of stuff. No, that was at the end of Ultron. Uh, Ultron. Anyway, will we talk about the man of the hour? I guess we better talk about the the movie we're here to talk about. Yeah. I have to do the synopsis. Okay, we ready? Do you want me to... I can do it here. Okay, let me just put it here so I can kind of tell you. Ten seconds left! Okay. Okay, three, two, one. Okay, so we're introduced to uh, Tony Stark, who's a genius philanthropist and rich person who makes weapons, uh, leading on from the legacy of his father, Howard Stark, who started Stark Industries. Um, They've got a new missile, the Jericho missile, and his friend Obadiah, who has looked after the company uh, when his dad died, is saying, go over to Iraq there and show this off. So he goes over to Iraq with his friend Rhodey, who's in the military, and um, he shows the missile. It's all very impressive. While they're driving back, um, his car gets blown up and he gets captured by terrorists. The terrorists grab him and he's in this cave and they're like, make us a Jericho missile. And he's like, no. And they said, well, we'll just kill you then. So he says, okay, there's another guy here uh, who worked on me, who's t- put this thing in my chest to stop shrapnel getting into my heart. We're going to make this iron suit. Uh, he creates this arc reactor in his, in his chest and then powers this big metal suit and gets out of Iraq. He goes back, has a press conference, says, hey, I've seen what my weapons do. I'm not making weapons anymore. <laughs> Turns out they explode things. Yes, they blow no, shit it's, up. It's more that they're in the... And um, Obadiah is like, oh shit, no, don't, don't be saying that. Um, <laughs> he starts working on these suits and trying to perfect them, puts all his time and resources into it, and he creates the Iron Man suit. He sees... Um, that all this shit is still happening in Iraq with his weapons. He goes back and kills all these terrorists that had captured him, except one of them. He was the big bad. Um, while he's coming back, his friend Rhodey, they, they, the Americans see that there's this bogey in the air and they try and blow him out of the sky. And his friend Rhodey's like, is that you in the suit? And he's like, yeah, stop shooting at me. Um, when he gets back, um, Obadiah said, well, the board is really unhappy and they're moving one to... One minute left. Ooh, put, you, put an injunction on you. Um, 
but it turns out that Obadiah is actually working with these terrorists and organized for Tony to be killed. He stuns Tony and says, ha ha ha, I've got your reactor out of your chest and I'm going to make my suit and it's going to be bigger and better. Um, so Tony, then, and, and anyway, he gets, he comes to, he puts on the suit, he goes and fights Obadiah in this big metal suit and they have a big blowout. Uh, Tony goes up way up into the sky there's this icing issue with the suit that the other guy wasn't aware of and his ice his suit freezes up he falls down Tony falls down there's a big battle Pepper Potts blows up an arc reactor which blows up Obadiah and that's it and there's a new press conference where he goes Who, who's this guy in the iron suit and Tony Stark says I am Iron Man and that's about it if six seconds to spare and I am amazing as I summarize that who the fuck is Pepper Potts? <laughs> oh, Pepper Potts' his girlfriend. <laughs> Slash not his girlfriend. No, it's his secretary. His secretary. Who he sexually harasses until eventually she's like, all right, I'll date you. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I focused a lot on the start there and then like rushed through. You the say this every single episode. Literally, that's how we do it. It's fine. That's our <laughs> formula. It's fine. <laughs> Like someday I'm just gonna get a super cut of you at the end of the summary going. I'm pretty sure you just focus on the start. I'm pretty sure you just focus on the start. Very top heavy that time. Well, no, I did. I did a really good synopsis for Ocean's Eleven, oh and I just God, went like, through each. That was years ago, though. Uh, I, I covered all the main points, though. Didn't you I? did. You did. Yeah, yeah. you just didn't. Really it's not a complicated pepper. film at all. No, I actually think similar to Wonder Woman. The plot to this film is kind of superfluous and irrelevant as long as it functions at a basic level. That's all that we need because yeah. really all we want is to get to know this character of Tony, to see him grow and have an arc and be hilarious and charismatic on screen. And that's exactly yeah. what he does. Um, the, the story is... The only purpose of the story is for Tony Stark to wake up, start fighting crime, and build a suit. Yeah, and I, I guess, I, I I mean, Tony Stark is deeply flawed. I mean, we mentioned this oh, yeah. in our last episode. Like, way, like we mentioned in the last episode that Diana is a flawed character, which makes her way more likable. But, like, Diana is, like, perfection compared to Tony like Tony is a dick really well I think I think uh, Robert Downey Jr. actually said it was very difficult to make this uh, self-absorbed prick into a likable oh, yeah. character it worked and he did a very very good job he, yeah. it worked I mean there was a yeah he's so charismatic that it, it, it couldn't have gone to do you know like Christian Bale when he acts like a bit of a dick in as Bruce Wayne he's just a dick he doesn't come off as like a like. Do you know in the scenes in the the, the Dark Knight? Now, grant, granted, Bruce Wayne is putting on this as an actor. Yeah, it's not yeah. actually his character. Well, Tony Stark, this is him. But you know when he's being like a bit of a dick when he's having dinner with a, he's having dinner with a ballerina and he's being kind of arrogant. And stuff. And, he just yeah. comes off as like a horrible person to be around. But like Tony Stark, like you'd be fun. Does it with like, a wink in his eye? <laughs> yeah, like you'd want to be around Tony Stark. Like he'd be yeah. good fun. Uh, he would, yeah. He cut you down, though. I would say. Oh, but like I said, he's not. A, he's not. Yeah. A you can see throughout the movies, uh, as well. Like he takes a liking to Spider Man. He took a liking to that kid in um, Iron Man Three, and yeah, these kids who uh, smart show, kids. who are smart, who have intelligence, and who are kind of like 
good at making stuff yeah. and he sees a bright future for them or he sees a bit of himself in them he kind of takes them under his wing yeah um which i think is quite nice you know and it, and it kind of shows a more human side to him i guess and like you so obviously he has his daughter in endgame and yeah. they only have maybe two maybe three scenes together but they're just gorgeous like he, you just see like yes tony stark is a fantastic father mm. i love you three thousand yeah yeah i suppose like at the start of the <laughs> at the start of the film he's like a womanizer mm. like like he's actually harasses like maybe four women <laughs> in this film. Well, also john favreau throughout these iron man movies uh is a bit pervy on women and stuff there's this yeah. kind of sleazy pervy yeah. thing going on yeah men's club kind of slicked back hair and suits yeah. kind of yeah there's the, the it's w- kind of funny looking at that now with the lens of today's environment yeah like to be fair to tony he's like that and then he kind of arcs out of it yes but john favreau doesn't <laughs> well happy just yeah. really I guess he ends up, doesn't he end up dating Aunt May? Aren't they dating in the film's name? Oh, are they dating in I feel Spider-Man? like that's a thing. Oh, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. yeah. So, I, so Arma, he, he, Tony, Tony Stark, he, his arc is that, okay, obviously he doesn't really give a shit about like blowing up things until he's there, which is kind of a little bit problematic. I mean, if only we all had the experience of like seeing things from the other point of view, you know, that's, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's interrogated by journalists in the movie who say, oh, your weapons do this, that and the other. And, you know, he defends it and says, well, yes, we provide weapons for the military to defend America. And by the way, all the military funding we get goes to, towards these really good things. And yeah. These good projects. Um, which is an argument, I guess, and is true. But once he's confronted with the realities of war, war and the horrors of it, and not only that, he figures out that his company is not only selling to the American military; it's also selling to the uh, other these side, terrorists, yeah. the other side. So they're kind of they're double dipping. Yeah, there. yeah, and. Um, but is it a, you said Iraq there twice is it definitely Iraq or is it just kind of ambiguous brown it country Iraq, <laughs> it said Iraq on IMDb so <laughs> yeah yeah I, I like this is kind of one of the unfortunate things oh I think it does mention Baghdad maybe I don't, I don't I don't I feel like it didn't but maybe it did I don't know anyway I mean there's an element of like you know him killing lots of brown people and then him going and killing the bad brown people and saving the nice family brown people and being like a white savior but uh, that's one way of looking at it i mean the other way of looking at it is he sees this horrible horrific thing happening to these people that is kind of you know he has because his company is selling these weapons to these terrorists and then goes and sorts it out you know he he does say though like his i guess you could say his argument is that well if we provide these big weapons then nobody will shoot and there'll be peace but he does he says some people say um the best kind of weapon is a weapon you never have to fire i say the best kind of weapon is the kind of weapon you only have to fire once so he is advocating like though granted he he blows like a barren desert so maybe he's just like blow this in the barren desert and frighten the shit out of them i think that the point was you 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 fire this it makes a big noise and then people run away yeah that's that yeah yeah uh and like to be fair to the character by by avengers uh stark industries is like an energy company 
Yeah, so that's one thing I didn't mention in the synopsis. So when he when he decides not to uh, be involved in weapons anymore, he is looking at this arc reactor and uh, a source of sustainable energy, which actually comes back and feeds into Avengers. And it's the basis upon which his heart thing is powered. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of ridiculous that he was able to build that in the cave. To be honest well, with I mean, they, that's what they say. That's what uh, Jeff Bridges gets all angry about. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Stark made this with a p- bunch of scrap. One of the things that we praised about Wonder Woman, and I guess the reason I'm comparing it is because that's the other superhero film. But one of the things we praised is that Steve Trevor and Diana work very much as a team. And Gwyneth Paltrow in this film, and in the trilogy, to be fair, maybe not in the very last part of Iron Man 3 but certainly the first two she is very much damsel isn't she um well not at the end of Iron Man 3 at all uh and not in not in Endgame because she comes back as the blue bomb well, I mean she's barely she's only in game game yeah. just to have that one scene um I mean and in even in Iron Man 3 like she is captured and then as a result of her being captured gets temporary magical powers yeah I mean, she's just meant to be, she's meant to, she's interested in running Stark Industries and meant to be a secretary and then made the CEO. She's not got any powers or anything like this, but she's getting, so. No, but Steve Trevor doesn't have any powers. My point being that. He's a soldier. She, what? He's a soldier. Yeah, but my point being that she, okay, I, I, I think Winnipeg was really good in these films and very, she's great. And her and um, Robert Downey Jr.'s chemistry is, is brilliant. And she has a tendency to be a little bit irritating. She's, well, she's in the news recently about that goop company and apparently one of her COVID, vagina candles exploded <laughs> her vagina candles exploded and she's got remedies for COVID oh I heard that as well yeah, yeah she's got like you know pray the COVID away remedies oh, yeah geez. but that's her own private life um, I know it has there's nothing to do with her acting no. but I, I even mean in her, in her films but I, you can kind of th- see from that kind of stuff you think well maybe she is a bit of a pain and even just her whole breakup with uh, Coldplay guy Christopher Martin they're like consciously uncoupling which is consciously oh is that how they described it did you never hear that no God, you can tell you're not on the internet yeah. <laughs> yeah that was a huge big thing anyway but i do like her in these films a lot but i do think the films i mean to be fair she has a lot of power from a and she's lots of responsibility and she seems to she's a ceo by by the by the second film yeah. but she and then quits <laughs> but I think and then I guess she I think that was just blowing mm. hot air but I do feel like she's very much she's it's it's kind of she's the she's very much this kind of perfect like Tony sees her as the virginal girl as in like all the other girls you know the the, the theory of the whore the virgin and the whore that yeah. some men only see women as virginal and perfect or whores and um they go around and they have sex with whores all their life until they decide to settle down and then they marry then they want the virgin then they marry the virgin and like got and they wouldn't marry a girl who had had the same experience. you know that kind yeah. of that theory and i do feel there's a little bit of an element of tony in her where he puts her on this pedestal he doesn't treat her particularly well insofar as you know he strings her along a little bit like and then he kind of does realize that she's the only person he has in his life that's constant mm. And when it suits them, then he kind of, and she's obviously mad about him. And when it suits him, she, he's like, okay, let's take it to the next level. And she's kind of like, okay. Yeah, I did. Like, I mean, at the end of the, at the end of it, 
she has the last laugh because he is about to go into this press conference and he's like, oh, let's get it on. And she's like, oh, like the time you, uh, I asked you to go and get me a martini with olives, like that time, and you just left and you didn't come back. Yeah, just go in and do the press conference. She, well, she slightly humiliates him about like him yeah. abandoning her. I don't know if like, she has I don't think she's a. I don't think she's a total what's the word um, wallflower or whatever no but I think violet. the film kind of treats her a little bit I don't I think, I think it kind of underuses her a little bit <clears throat> and like even I think that this was a nice observation where Tony and it's an interesting observation of the, the power dynamic between the two of them because he is effectively her boss even though they don't have that relationship they're clearly very close to each other and I don't even mean in a romantic sense I just mean in a personal sense they have a very close at the very least friendship but from an optics point of view he's at this dance and he sees Pepper and he's very fond of her and I guess he has this secret love for her and he's like oh let's go dancing but from her point of view you know like from the office banter people are looking at her going oh look at Pepper Potts dancing (laughs) with the boss yeah, she'll probably get made CEO up. next week. And mm-hmm. She did, didn't she? And she knows it's not because of that. And she knows how hard she works. And he, if you ask him, he, she, he, she's amazingly talented. But from from her point of view, she doesn't have, there's a slight power imbalance there that puts her in very awkward positions. And he's not sympathetic to that. Mm. I mean, I don't think it's probably realistic that she would be made CEO going for, from as an executive assistant to the CEO to the CEO is not really I mean she I feel like she was so her responsibilities were so high that like she pretty much was running the company anyway so she probably was qualified I quite like internal <coughs> climbing the ladder no but I don't think she wasn't like an executive assistant to a CEO position is not you're not next in line to be a CEO <laughs> <laughs> I think that's in Belinda Blinked actually yeah. you know Bella and Belinda Blinked yeah and Bella's like the receptionist and then the next day she's <laughs> like there's no I think she does something and then Bella's uh, Belinda says to her for those of you who don't know that's a, this is a hilarious podcast almost as successful as ours <laughs> called my dad wrote a porno but uh, yeah I think there's a throwaway line that oh keep this up Bella and you'll be CEO in five years and it's like <laughs> I don't think like no offense to receptionists, but like maybe I like maybe maybe it is a yeah, journey. Like somebody doing something wrong. So. <laughs> um, Everybody does it in Belinda Big. You don't get anywhere by having sex in Belinda Big. Their relationship over the course of the not only the Iron Man movies but also up to Endgame, well, not so much Endgame but Infinity War, is a bit odd and it's probably odd because there's certain decisions made in some of these movies which are not followed through upon is that yeah. the right phrase so for example uh, at the end of Iron Man 3 he blows up all the suits it's the clean slate and that's great and uh, he's saying to Pepper that's it now I'm out of this and whatever and then in never mentioned again until Civil well War. Civil yeah so then, well, is he in anything then? So yeah, oh, sorry. Ultron. Ultron. Never mentioned in Age of Ultron. Not mentioned at all. Is Pepper in Age of Ultron? Maybe not. No, maybe, I don't Their know. breakup is mentioned in Civil War. So, okay, so Civil War, uh, Steve Rogers goes, where's Pepper? Uh, oh, are you pregnant? And he's like, no, we're on a break because a load of shit. It just kept piling up and I never left and I don't want to leave and yeah. it was straining. But then in Infinity War... They're jogging in the park and they're back together and they're talking about having kids. Well, you, you find out in Spider-Man that they got back together. 
Oh right, okay. But what? Oh yeah. But is it just is it just mentioned? We just got back together. No, uh, I think at the end of Spider Man One, uh, when Tony gives him like his super Spider Man suit, and there's like a press conference or something, and she comes out and she's like, "Yay!" And then I think there's a throwaway line like, "Oh, I'm so glad you guys are back together." And that's. Been, I mean, it does. I mean, at this, the thing is, it's a bit pointless, though, isn't it? Well, I think in Age of Ultron and in Civil War, there wasn't enough space for Pepper, but she's a too big a character not to mention. So I, I, I probably would just mention she's mentioned off. she's off. I don't know. But it, it also gave it made Tony a little bit more vulnerable in yeah, Civil maybe, War, yeah. and I think that might have been important. So I mean, it's like couples break up and then get back together. I mean. I know I kind of feel when stuff like that all happens off screen and then it's just mentioned periodically it's just it's it's pointless then I feel I feel like if they you start if you start together and then you just mention stuff happens in the background but you end up that you're together then all that stuff you don't see is kind of irrelevant because you've started and ended in the same position well I, I think they just needed Tony to be vulnerable for Civil War yeah okay like she's always been his confidant and he was such a big part of Civil War that not to have her there as a confidant and they, they probably were like look I do like her line in the first Iron Man movie when she, she says I do anything Mr. Stark wants including taking the trash out sometimes yeah it is kind of like except that like pitting two women against each other mm-hmm. like uh, yeah over I mean I don't think you're the woman cared she was like taking him to task she looks so like Jessica Alba that actress I thought it was Jessica Alba she was Sue Storm in the original Fantastic Four. She was in Oh yeah, Dark yeah. Angel. She was in Sin City. Like. I know Jessica, but I don't. I don't remember what your one looks like. In, in the- we, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, um, Robert Downey Jr. He, he is. He has kind of had a. If it wasn't for Iron Man, he he's had a kind of a stumbly career. Like he hasn't had like a huge success beforehand and he is apart from the Sherlock Holmes I he hasn't had great hits since he's kind of struggled to have a career outside Marvel Universe which is weird because he's such an integral part of the Marvel the success of it I've heard so I think his he had a lot of problems with drugs well that's year that's year that's going well, back to the 90s it, no, well in 2003 I think it all came to a head Oh, really? So only oh, five years before this, and um, I think John Favreau was campaigned for Robert Downey Jr. to take the role of Iron Man because he said that the sort of struggles that uh, Robert Downey Jr. had gone through, had, you know, uh, were similar struggles to, to Tony. To yeah, Tony. Like Tony Stark is an alcoholic. Yeah, but even, well, okay, fair, even since then, like if you look at so that was two thousand and eight. The films he's done since. Tropic Thunder. Um, Tropic. When was that? Two thousand. Two thousand and eight. Same year. Yeah. Um, he was great in that. He was great, was he? Yeah. He was playing, and what was it? An Australian. Uh, he was. I in, can't remember. He was a film called The Judge in two thousand and fourteen. That was apparently. That was meant to be. Kind of, I think that was meant to be like maybe Oscary, and it didn't do well God, at he all. Was, he was Doolittle, wasn't he? Doolittle was dreadful, apparently. Like he oh, oh apparently Sherlock Holmes three is happening so I guess that's his one other kind of franchise that he has I I think he's such a good actor I think it's strange that he hasn't had more more hits yeah. even I kind of think in Sherlock Holmes anyway and I think this is true in Doolittle I haven't seen it I think he can be a bit over actory 
I think it kind of, s- I and think I think so. he is a character actor. He tries to be a character actor and put on these kind of character actors and, and accents and all this kind of stuff, which maybe occasionally doesn't work. But in Iron Man, he was, he just found a balance and he found a cadence and a rhythm to Tony Stark. That worked. Which just worked. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I knew him. I actually know him for Ali McBeal. That's, what I would know him for. I never Did, watched Ali McBeal. He came into Ali McBeal and he was like a movie star. Like it was kind of a big role for him to get at the time. But instantly, he had, like when we when when he was in it, it was like, okay, here's a star. Like here is a, this is... You could see the difference in the cast. Yes. Of- well, the cast of Ali McBeal are all great. But uh, you could just tell there was something special about him. And he had great chemistry with Calista Flockhart who played... Ali McBeal and he kind of became the love of her life and then he, he left the show and I just probably because uh, he had problems probably actually but then I didn't see him again until Iron Man and yeah he's just an actor that uh, if it wasn't for Iron Man like the, la- uh, the last few years he wouldn't I feel like we wouldn't really know him I guess the if he had done the, the, the Sherlock Holmes films they were big yeah but yeah, he's not got a great filmography apart from no, no. Uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for Chaplin, wasn't he? Which I've never seen. I've seen bits of it. I haven't seen the whole thing. But like, to be honest, like has that like how many times has that com- film come up in conversation? It's no, not like it's, people it are like odd that it hasn't that it's not sort of more on people's radar. I think. Yeah, I'm scanning through his filmography here. There's another film he was in in 2005 called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That's a big film. You know, that's a film I feel that has a cultural. Don't think I've seen that. Yeah, that is a gangster film. Um, that is Shane Black. Um, and it's meant to be very good. Shane Black. Val Kilmer. Shane Black directed it, and then Val Kilmer is in it. Shane Black directed Iron Man 3, I think. Or one of these movies. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But yes, yeah, so yeah, not great. Compared to Gwyneth Paltrow, who has had a fantastic filmography, like Shakespeare in Love. <laughs> oh my God, my mind has gone blank. Uh, Shallow Hal. Um, <laughs> I don't know. If this is a fantastic filmography, but hang on. Okay. Um, well, she was in nine. You know. you're, you're not selling her to me. She was in nine. That's seven. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> seven with Brad Pitt. Oh, she yes, was the head in the yeah, box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> she was going out with him at the time. <clears throat> you said nine. I was like, that's basically the worst movie of all time. Let's just look at her. She was in it. She was in a film about sex addiction <clears throat> with Pink. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, called uh, what was it called Thanks for Sharing I've never seen that you often talk about that yeah well I love it because Pink's in it but like all like um, Gwyneth Paltrow is very much the main like leading female role mm. and Pink is very much the supporting like I would say Gwyneth Paltrow's on screen for twice as much as Pink but pretty much every review out of it was and Gwyneth Paltrow's fine in it but every review out of it was like wow Pink stole the day oh, totally stole the show um, to be fair, she had a more interesting character. Well, you know, well, Shakespeare in Love, Sliding Doors. She was in the the verse of uh, Emma, a film, a, a big version of Emma for uh, as well. She's been in. She has a much much more exciting kind of filmography than. She's not an actress that I would be overly familiar with. To be honest, I don't. I don't think she like when you said her, her filmography. There, nothing was really jumping out. The talented Mr. Ripley. Yeah, but I don't really associate. I associate Mister or Mister Matt Damon with that. Not, not the Royal Tenenbaums. Never seen it. No. Like, like these are all films that I feel 
Running with Scissors. Like these are, I do feel these are films that have made an impact. Contagion. Jesus, she's like the oh, person yeah, who starts yeah. off. Like, well, yeah, but she's not a big I know part she's not of not big Contagion. in it. No, I know. But I still feel when you look through her thing, you're like, yes, there's a lot of films there that will be watched in ten years' time. Mm-hmm. I feel like of Iron Man, maybe Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Like even the Sherlock Holmes films, they were big hits. But like, are you're not, not going to. Are to they me. like films that like? I would like to watch Chaplin, actually. We should watch that. Yeah, we should, actually. So do you want to talk about Jeff Bridges? Yeah. I love Jeff Bridges. I like Jeff Bridges, too. I think he was I think he was a good villain in this. He, he started off... So Marvel have done this great little <laughs> retirement plan for Hollywood's more mature <laughs> actors by giving them supporting roles in Marvel films. They tend to be evil. Do they? Well, no, I mean, Michael Douglas is kind of like yeah. the, 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 the evil or mentor. <laughs> That's kind yeah, of the two yeah, things. Yeah. Like, Michael Douglas is in Ant-Man films. Uh, Jeff, not, uh, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell, who I always get mixed up between Jeff Bridges. Even though they don't look like anymore, but yeah. I think they did when they were younger. He was in Guardians 2. two Glenn yeah. Close is Guardians 1. I mean, it's not really a retirement plan. <laughs> Well, you know what I mean, like a little, yeah. bit, little bit of extra cash. And most of them have gotten repeat phone calls to kind of come back. Michelle Pfeiffer as well. Who else? I'll just throw a few other names. Well, Glenn um, Close hasn't gotten a repeat. Uh, and uh, uh, what's his face? Hannibal Lecter in Thor. Oh, Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins in the Thor yeah. films. Uh, also Rene Russo. Rene Russo. Rene no. Russo, yeah. Yeah, Rene Russo in Thor. Anyway. She like she was she was delighted with the call. She for got a lovely Infinity little co- The best scene she's done in the entire franchise yes. was yeah. in. Well, no, the best scene she had was when she was fighting the okay. elves. That was a cool scene, but like the most actory, the most acting she got to do. Eat a salad. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's yeah, it's these nice roles for these actors, and but most of them, like we were saying, most of them get like a phone call back. Hey. Um, Renee. Renee, look, we know we killed you off. Spoiler for Thor 2. Uh, but how about um, we got the scene in Avengers 3, or uh, sorry, Avengers, Avengers Endgame, and we were just thinking Thor needs a little heart to heart. Would you come back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Michael Douglas, we weren't expecting to see him in Endgame. Your man who plays Tony Stark's father, he's popped up in loads of films. Yes, yeah, he's, yeah. he's in and out there. Like, in, well, that, like, he's changed a couple of times, I think. Okay. He. So in the younger days, he was somebody. I think they had a different actor to play him or whatever. But there was one one actor, I suppose, who's kind of they kind of picked an actor then that stuck with him. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, even the guy who is in the cave with Tony, uh, giving him the back. Yes. He pop. I did. You know. I didn't notice this. He, he pops up in so he's, They have. They have. They get a. They have a great um, chemistry, I suppose, in the in the in the in the cave. Um, and he just in passing says oh yeah we met one time at this conference in Bern uh, and the first scene of <laughs> Iron Man 3 then is in Bern at this conference yeah. and he pops up amazing yeah. I mean I'd love to think that that was all pre-planned planned, but it's probably more they were like oh let's just mind the, uh, the, yeah, the he scenes. has to meet the he has to meet Guy Pierce. So yeah let's yeah yeah, yeah, this, yeah uh, let's have it in Bern um, but still, like it was such a specific. He didn't just say we met at a party years ago. He literally says in Switzerland, such a specific yeah, yeah, reference. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Jeff Bridges, I think, I guess, was the first kind of Hollywood legend to get the the Marvel supporting treatment. Unfortunately, in the very first of this uh, <clears throat> movies of this world, and he gets 
spoiler alert, killed off. Uh, so he's not coming back. Like. I mean, to be fair, Rene Russo. <laughs> well, the villains tend not. The, yeah, the villains in Marvel tend to stay dead, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Unless, unless you have, a, unless in like Endgame you go back in time. <laughs> to my least favorite type of bad guy is the Pixar bad guy, and. It's not my least favorite, but I, you know, we were, remember in our Disney episodes we were talking about how amazing Ursula was, mm. and that type of villain in Disney. And I'll, I'll come back around. Okay, this is going to be circuitous to this, the point. Yeah, okay. what a great word. Thanks. That kind of bad guy has become kind of an endangered species for Disney. When what Pixar and Disney tend to do now is they tend to have this adventure with no bad guy and then oh my god this this the teddy bear is actually a bad guy or this and i don't like that as i guess there's it's kind of like you get that that moment where you're like oh no and you do get that with jeff bridges when you're like oh god he's a bad guy but mm. then you kind of lose out on the whole like nurturing of a bad guy from the beginning and then there's just some a bad guy who just has a it becomes just I, I don't know it's just not as exciting really to me as a viewer that if, if if the villain isn't established from the beginning and it's this cool villain that has a cool backstory and well I don't know I think I think it worked in Iron Man because I thought <clears throat> you were told at the start so Howard Stark died Tony Stark went off to college I suppose and was fostered and you know no he went off to, he was in college because he was he was around college age when they died and this guy Obadiah took over the reins while he was yeah, acting growing, CEO yeah growing up and when he grew up he took the reins back so uh, there was probably a, a, a resentment there I suppose and also when well he actually arranged for Tony to be killed I was going to say actually when when Tony said well we're stopping weapons manufacturing it kind of the straw that broke the camel's back but actually he had already arranged for Tony to yeah. be killed which was a bit much Wh- why did he want Tony why? killed so he would just get the company so because he was pissed off that he kept the reins going was acting CEO and then Tony just took over and you know so it was revenge that's why he wanted him killed in the first place he pr- yeah well yeah he wanted to, he wanted to be CEO again and he probably knew that Tony wouldn't approve of their selling to both sides and all right well like Tony's clearly in his 40s or at least generously let's say he's late 30s mm. like he's been out of college for a long time I think the implication is he went off traveling and right, okay. partying and whatever you know okay okay fine that's fair enough let's just say that that's fine right so then Tony is kidnapped by the evil Brian people and <laughs> then they want him to make them a bomb or a missile but but they have access to missiles because they're they're selling they're buying the Stark missiles so why are they forcing him to make it well they capture him and then they send a message to Obadiah saying oh we didn't realize you wanted oh that's right us to kill Tony Stark our price has gone up okay uh, and then while they had him I suppose they were like okay well show us how to make these things ourselves right okay okay alright there you go there you go <laughs> <laughs> um, and who was the the, the do like who was the character that he was trapped with who was he wearing the suit in the cave he was just another scientist yeah but what did they just kidnap him as well did yeah. they 
Not in the same... Well, he was another They scientist. were just kidnapping scientists to make bombs for them. Well, I don't know if he was making bombs for them. But he, I suppose they had use for whatever skills he had. He, I mean, he, he was clearly a surgeon as well. He was able to yeah, uh, fix Tony's heart. Um, it's real body horror when Tony wakes up with the car battery mm. attached to him. That's quite horrific. I'd, it's a bit... Like, this thing, this tube essentially is going into his chest mm-hmm. like when he when he gets pepper for example to he wants pepper to change her like she's like up to her elbow <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it is like it's a metal it's a cylindrical metal tube that's going yeah, into his very chest hygienic. Yeah. but what is is the outside of his rib cage attached to and what is 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 there like a ba- there's a base plate with like, which is ma- ma- um, magnetized, which is then holding this shrapnel away from his heart or something? I feel like this, like yeah, it does seem verging on silly. I suppose have you ever seen one of those cows that have like we had them in college? <laughs> These cows that have like a basically a contraption on their side, and like you can see into their guts and stuff. Well, I suppose you so do have... You've got colostomy bags, which is a hole in you, and then a tube going into a bag yeah, and stuff. Yeah. But that's one thing. Going into your ribcage, into your into your heart. I mean, it's a fantasy. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to be fair, this film is by far the most... I, I, very, I dread to say realistic, but it's kind of the most grounded in science compared to, like, you know... With Thor, then, we have total fantasy. And even with Captain America, it's kind of getting into magical serums. And the same with Hulk, you know, that's kind of science fiction. This is science fiction, too, but it is more grounded in tech than yeah. kind of kind of magic mumbo-jumbo. <laughs> Arc reactors. Blurg, blurg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gen- apparently, I was reading that uh, a lot of the script, they started filming when the, uh, the script hadn't wasn't actually finished. And a lot of it is improvised. No, you can tell. Yeah. And you do, and you can tell the trilogy. Apparent, but apparently, well, Gwyneth Paltrow had issues with it because she found it difficult to keep up with Robert Downey Jr. And, <laughs> but uh, I mean, Pepper finds it hard to keep up with Tony. That That's fine. Well, it's, yeah, it's different. Like, it, it, it's not, it's it's like the actress is finding it difficult. She doesn't know what to respond. But, you know, but I feel like Pepper, it, Pepper gets flustered around Tony. So I think that almost works. Also, you're an actor. You won an Oscar. Do some yeah, improv lessons. Actors, do, a good actor doesn't necessarily mean good at improv as well, you know. Well. And and Jeff Bridges actually said he found it very difficult because he is normally somebody who knows the script word for word going into a project, and this was not that. And he said he, he considered it. He after a while he considered it as a a two hundred million dollar student movie. <laughs> wow. Well, I feel like all those. I'm surprised about because I feel like all the, the it's very bad at being bad boom kind of bad boom and it, and this this continues throughout the whole Iron Man trilogy, but I feel like most of it is between Rhodey and Tony and Pepper. I feel like there wasn't that much between. Yeah. But a lot Jeff. of the being bad boom, like a lot of the, the that sort of when you're when you're acting opposite somebody and when they've rehearsed it and they've come up with each beat. I'm going to say this, and then you say that, and then I take a pause, and then you do this, and then da, 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 da. and it's all very worked out, mm. you know. So it's not that 
the scenes that are improvised aren't those ones that flow really well. The scenes that are improvised are that silly stuff where they're talking about, oh, I said this, I said that. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's, yeah. So that's, they were finding it difficult. And you can hear when they do that. Sometimes they say really silly things that. I thought you didn't think it worked then, I don't think. No, I do. I think they probably, I imagine what happened was they were improved. They they took it again. They improved it again, and then by the time they actually used one of these scenes, they had improved it five times, and then they had kind of figured out what they were saying, yeah. what they were doing. I mean, to my understanding of improv in a film like this is like in Bridesmaids, a, a little huge, pretty much all of that has been improv. But it's not like they just turned up to set and they were like, "Let's hope for the best." Like Kirsten Wig and Melissa McCarthy would have like spend hours together being like okay this is the scene where I'm depressed and that you just come in and then Melissa McCarthy is like what if I just shit all my puppies are with me and then we you know and we need to get there so they rehearse it so it's not like they're just on set that day let's hope something comes out guys I like my understanding is that they workshop it beforehand and then on the day they come in and then take it from there like they probably like you can rehearse to a certain extent, but I mean, uh, I suppose what Gwyneth Paltrow seemed to be suggesting was there was new stuff coming out all the time, and she had to think of something to say, and she yeah, found it very okay, difficult. Okay, okay. I don't have a whole lot more to say, to be honest. Do you want here? Something I want to ask you because you did your homework for this. Why the hell did uh, Terence Howard not stick with us? Ah, interesting. <laughs> um. So Terence Howard plays Rhodey very well. I might say plays him very well. I prefer yes. him to to uh, and there, and Rhodey R- becomes Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle, Jesus, and, I forgot his name. Uh, uh, who is War Machine or Iron Patriot? And Terence Howard apparently got Robert Downey Jr. this gig, although I think John Favreau wanted him. Ooh, but he this put sounds in a, familiar. He put in a good word, let's say, and. After the success of the first Iron Man, the studio called Terence Howard and said, for Iron Man 2, I think, and said, we're going to pay you one eighth of what we had originally sort of indicated we would pay you because we're comfortable enough that this movie is going to be a success with or without you. Ouch. (laughs) Kick in the balls. And... Apparently, Terence Howard, and this led to a fallout with himself and Robert Downey Jr. Because he, he he called Robert Downey Jr. and he was trying to get in touch with him, and he was trying to you know, and he was like, "Look, I put in a good word for you, and I want you to help me out here." And Robert Downey Jr. didn't call him back for three months, and oh, all this kind of well, stuff. That's not cool. So um, anyway, it didn't work out, and uh, Don Cheadle stepped in. <laughs> it worked out for Don Cheadle. It worked out for Don Cheadle. I I find Don Cheadle. I I I've liked Don Cheadle and other things. But I find his roadie a little bit stiff. Well, I feel like Terence Howard's roadie is... I, Terence Howard, his interpretation of roadie is like, I'm a military guy, I gotta be serious, but when the time is right, I can let my hair down. And yeah. when I was a bit younger, before I was kind of in such an important job, I was more like Tony. And I've moved on from that, but I can still go back there when needs be. Yeah, I mean, you see that you see they have actually really good chemistry on yeah. screen, and when I don't see that with um, Don Cheadle, to be ah, honest, they find chemistry. But yeah, like when they're talking, that there's a military lineup, and Terence Howard is talking to his troops or whatever. 
uh, well, this was the Air Force, I think. I think it's Air Force. And Tony Stark comes in and makes some quip about, you remember that time we were all drunk and blah, blah, blah. He's like, don't tell them that. Don't tell them. And, you know, you can you can see this chemistry. Yeah. This rapport. I still friendship. think, uh, I think the only real charm that Don Cheadle. No, that's with Terrence Howard. That's with Terrence Howard. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The only real charm offense that Don Cheadle does that I love that he does in the whole thing is is at the party in Age of Ultron oh, when he good. tells an anecdote to Tony and I think Hulk and it doesn't go down well and he can tell and I, you know and I've experienced that when you're at a party and you're telling a story and you have a good bit to go and you're just like this ain't working <laughs> it's yeah, a horrible yeah. feeling and you and if you they're can, not laughing by now no, and if they, if they know you well enough they can be like this ain't working and it's fine but if they don't know you they kind of have to force a smile yeah. and then it's awkward and then he's brave when he does the, the anecdote later on and it does go down and sometimes it's just a change of inflection yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever the way you tell it and it goes down and it doesn't cut away it doesn't cut away it lets him just kind of go i knew that story worked <laughs> yeah, i knew and that's the my favorite don Cheadle moment in the entire franchise and yeah. i think he should have died in civil war i know you do um i kind of agree i think, uh, and I think he was i don't really think he w- should have been one of the leftover Avengers no. in Infinity War he's like, not that interesting did he have one thing line or one part of so he obviously in so, well, this podcast is really for Marvel aficionados we are yeah. jumping all over the shop here he doesn't so in Infinity War Thanos clicks half the people got die and spoiler alert major spoiler alert and uh, but he obviously survives and then in the end game they all t- get into pairs and he goes back uh, with Nebula to get the power stone. power stone but like i don't remember him in any part like that to me was all just nebula i remember nebula and all those because well, he just doesn't do anything he go they go and get the stone he goes back and then nebula has the story yeah it's like i imagine had like black panther being with her and like yeah. i just would we would have more of him on screen i suppose maybe it was and i was thinking about this apart from obviously tony uh, well, it, it seemed to be a lot of the sort of weaker Avengers kind of survived. Um, I mean, Thor was there, and Hulk. Well, mm. Thor went off and just became a big. Boozy no, but he was on this mention. Uh, <laughs> mention this mission. Yeah. Well, I suppose Thor and Hulk were still around. I mean, I would yeah, think maybe that's not true. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I would think Black Panther. Uh, I would think Iron Patriot would stand a good chance if he was fighting Black Panther. I don't know. I mean, I kind of feel Iron War Machine is is it just a crappier version of Iron Man? Well, he is really. Yeah, yeah. I did think think of something though. In this is not an Iron Man podcast. This is like a Marvel podcast. You said he should die. He should have died in Civil War when he falls from the sky and yeah. just crashes into the ground. And that got me thinking. Like these are just people in suits of metal. Mm. you know if you get punched it's still going to hurt your head's going to hit off the the back of the metal or whatever i I imagine it'd be like they're like cushioned and they can take the impact okay okay so let's say they're cushioned oh the pan came out there lads (laughs) (laughs) um tony stark so so Don Cheadle is his his thrusters don't work so he just falls down and hits the ground yeah. and then breaks his legs or his back I think it's whatever anyway he's paralyzed from the waist down but Iron Man gets 
a moon chucked at him. And, you know... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it's grand. I mean, afterwards. I feel like the planet would be would have died after that. Yeah, and uh, or like when he's fighting Hulk in Age of Ultron, gets slammed down through a whole building and into the ground, which is not going to be any less. I suppose he is in a bigger Iron Man suit. Uh, yeah. Then, yeah. did you know that the Iron Man suit that they wore was actually it took four hundred and fifty pieces to assemble it onto. Robert Downey Jr. I did not know that con. There you are. I didn't, yeah. Isn't that, isn't that, that would have taken forever. But just go back to saying about Don Cheadle, I just think what you were saying, you do think he should, do you think, agree that he I should I kind of died? agree, I think, yeah. I don't think he added anything really to the story. No, and I, I actually think it would have put more weight because I, I personally am quite strongly on Tony Stark's side and that whole civil war. I can see the oh, you're not a rebel though. That's your No, I'm not. Your I guess I'm not. But I can see I can see the point of view of Captain America, but I think they he just needed to suck it up and, you know. Um I'm probably I think I'm mostly Black Widow until she changes, I guess. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> but uh oh, I forgot. Oh yeah. I think in the comics for Civil War, one of the they're fighting about this and one of the characters ends up dying. Now, it's one of the rebel characters, so the guilt is actually more so on the Tony Stark's the team. The Tony Stark team about that. The character called Goliath, who was basically like a big tall man. But So I think it would have been good if, if Don Cheadle had, had, had died and they'd all kind of gotten, why are we, we're after killing a friend of ours now. And I, I just think it would have given a bit more weight to the whole thing. The only thing is, the la- we did have a, the third act where Tony and Captain sort of have a truce right before mm. the shit hits the fan before the conclusion of that film well so yeah, you couldn't do. have had that had Don Tietel died they do but at the same time his best friend in theory I suppose has you know is paralysed yeah, now from the waist down and you would, I would have been like what are you do- why are you doing why are you insisting on doing this okay fair enough there, there, I, I accept that I made a mistake and there is something going on but, that's beside the point here, lads. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. why don't we go back and let's sit down and talk about it? Just as we because we watched Civil War last night, the guy who orchestrated it, who got them all to go to this place in Siberia, yeah, had no. He was sitting in there waiting for them. He had no reason to think that both. Iron or uh, <laughs> Captain America and the Winter Soldier and Iron Man would turn up. His plan involved. He could have just been sitting there for years. He probably was sitting there. His plan had an incredible amount of this needs to happen this way yeah. to lead to that. I mean, he he, he wasn't responsible for anything I need that to get happened. Them to fall, have a big falling out, and then I need them to work out my plan so that they both come separately. To Siberia, yeah. To yeah, how did this little monitor? How did he know that Tony was going to go? So this we've totally gone off. <laughs> we'll say this on the thing we talk about civil war as well. How did he know that Tony? First of all, he had nothing to do with the Accords. That was just a coincidence. Yeah. So, yeah, how did he know that Tony was going to go to this prison to get? He was going to be able to convince. Falcon. Falcon to tell him where they were heading. Yeah. For some reason, Winter Soldier and Captain America decided not to go there straight away. They took a, they took as long as it took Tony to visit Rhodey and then go to the prison and then and I get you know and then so whatever. 
arrived, they all arrived at the exact same time. Because his whole plan wasn't actually these He soldiers. didn't even need to get them there. He just needed to post the fucking video to Tony Stark. Or, or just put it online. That would have been fine. I guess he wanted them to fight. Well, and think, he wanted it if yeah. if they were together. He if he had found out, the, he could have calmed down. I think the thing is that he was looking mission report December nineteen ninety one, and he had to find out that he had to go here to find the video of the thing or whatever. Yeah, it's all very convenient, but whatever. Anyway, I still think he's a great, a great film. film. <laughs> Iron Man's a really good film. The other characters we have to talk about is. Jarvis and probably one of the most successful characters to work his way through the MCU he didn't have an on-screen performance until Age of Ultron really but uh, he's he's the third or is he the third most prominent character in Iron Man but then you know as time goes on he's actually probably the yeah would you even call Jarvis a character in this film yeah, of course he is. He's got personality. He's, you know, he's back talking to Tony Stark. He's the uh, epitome of artificial intelligence and, and where we would like to go with artificial intelligence, I assume, someday. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Paul Bettany was like, what a lovely little evolution of that character from being like, okay, you're just, you have a nice voice. So um, we're going to have you as our. AI just oh you just just go into recording studio a day or two and we'll just give you a nice paycheck and he gets the same phone call for Iron Man two and for Iron Man and then 3 all the Avengers as well for Avengers one and then, uh, and then like, Age of Ultron comes along then they're like you know what Paul you've been with us a while seven years we're going to give you an actual proper role how do you feel about doing a bit of working out Paul because <laughs> we're going to need you to be a superhero. But yeah, great. And I don't think, I think you were telling me before he, Paul Bettany, you know, didn't even realize what he was doing. He was just going to do a bit of uh, voice work for, who was, for, who, somebody asked him to do I it. I don't know, I don't recognize this story. No, he was just doing some voice work for um, Robert Downey Jr., I think, asked him, or John Favreau, I suppose it was. And uh, he was doing him a, a favor and he didn't actually realize what he was doing or what he was in or anything like that and got a nice paycheck was offered lots of money to do it and then in the it turned into probably his most successful career move it. ever yeah what a day. he has his own tv show now yes one division i mean he's definitely the secondary character there but you know he's still the second main character of probably the biggest tv show of the year what a way to get him back into the mcu after his demise spoiler alert anyway uh, a bright future for paul bettany yeah i think that's that's the fun thing about this universe is that really once you've done a we kind of said this already with like uh, but like once you've done a film you know they'll save your email address and you'll get emails like the actors who play like black panther is like poor jasmine bowman obviously passed away and i believe that is the most successful super like solo superhero film like not including the avengers black panther and then chadwick boseman dies and awfully and tragically and marvel have stated that they're not going to recast him, which I think is the right decision. But I have a little theory for what I think they might do. Well, so in the universe, I I thought it was surprising that when Thanos clicked, that Black Panther was one of the ones who disappeared because he's such a big character and he'd come off such a big film. And it just to me, it would have been like, well, put, give him a decent role in Endgame. But that obviously didn't happen. And he really is a... No, let's give Don Cheadle the big role. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
but actually i think that's how they can actually maybe make it work so in the universe of mcu when all the people have been clicked back five years have passed so one would think that wakanda has elected a new king now i don't know has sherry did sherry i don't think sherry disappeared we, I, just, I feel like we just didn't we we didn't see her i don't think you saw wakandans disappear except that were there fighting she, well, Sherry was in the battle in yeah, Infinity yeah, that's War. True, but I don't think he actually saw her. Disappear. No, no, he didn't. So I wonder: will they just be like, okay, so uh, T'Challa disappeared? Let's say that Sherry didn't. She's next in line. Um, so therefore, she got the mantle of Black Panther and was, you know, queen for five years. And then T'Challa comes back, and T'Challa comes back. And then maybe in Black Panther 2, they're like, oh, that T'Challa, when he came back after five years, he really needed a break. So he's just going to go off, enjoy his life and catch up on the world. Did he? Because when he came back, uh, when he was clicked back uh, in Endgame, he came, he was wearing the suit when he was clicked away. And then he was wearing the suit when he was clicked back. So who got the suit when he was away? I suppose she made multiple suits. Well, she is in Endgame and she hasn't got the suit. She's just shooting people with her arm lasers all oh, right i didn't see that you know in the like the girl power scene where all like the females are there and she's there with her arm gauntlets like jackie from mortal kombat oh i didn't oh yeah she's in that scene i forgot about that but whatever i thought they were focusing more on the um the one who's head of the army with her spear she was sort of more oh definitely prominent. definitely but sherry is in that scene uh but whatever i mean this, so for black panther 2 they'll be like They'll have to make some sort of reference. Uh, maybe that would they kill off the uh, would they kill off the character? I don't think they're going to go down that route. I would be surprised if they went down that route. They have to acknowledge it though. So maybe they'll just be like, "Oh, he's a, he's decided to step down and just have a nice life." And Sherry, you're now the Black Panther. Okay, so this is the adventure for Black Panther two, and that'll be it then. Yeah, I'd say it'll be some sort of respectful bow out and and that would be that. at the same time they, they can't make it so that it sort of sounds like he could come back um <laughs> we all know yeah right? well we all know i suppose yeah, yeah yeah anyway um oh so sad he was so so good and he he his essence as black panther didn't remind me of he wasn't i feel like a lot a lot of the marvel guys are all quippy and hey uh, and that works fine but he didn't he took a different angle yet he still wasn't all sullen i, I just liked his take on on the character and, and well he was most he was a much more serious character he was much more like he was he had king he had he he was king of the most probably the most powerful nation on the planet and yeah but there was a playfulness to him as well there was when he was talking we just watched black panther when he was talking with this uh nipita nyonga yeah and his sister he had a great sister yeah yeah yeah. i just oh i just wish there was more i just wish he was in the avengers films more because it's just so sad that that's it sad that he's that he's gone anyway anyway um Uh, another uh actor who's been in the marvel universe who's coming back is uh jane foster natalie portman's jane foster Oh yeah, she's. Uh, wasn't she? Didn't she not want to do uh, Thor two and then did it and then was resentful about it and then wasn't in Thor three and then she uh, did Avengers like she was in one five seconds scene in Avengers and now she's now she's just skating back into the universe. Uh, no, well, she phoned in that performance in Thor two, phoned it in. Yeah, she didn't want to do that, but um, 
she's playing like a lady thor now but some photos are leaked of her on set and she is fucking ripped look 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 at her look at her Look at the big beefy arms on her. Oh my god. Like oh Portman's head has just been transplanted onto a big beefy body. It just it almost looks kind of bizarre. And I apparently. Yeah, she's a bit bodybuilder, isn't she? Yeah, because she's always been like wayfish and tiny. Like she's. So it's. Yeah. Also, go her. I'm really impressed with that. Well, she's obviously taken this one a bit more seriously. Maybe she was like, oh, I should not have gotten out of that uh, universe because <laughs> yeah. I'm making shitloads of money. And yeah, anyway, there you go. So that'll be fun to see. So let's just briefly talk about the site that we have to talk about before we wrap up. Like, John Favreau being a director. Pretty well directed good. film. Good job. Don't be so creepy next time, but good job. Yeah. Uh, I think he did the first and second one, but then stepped down for the third. I feel like Marvel are pretty, like, if you don't hand us a slam dunk... You're out of here. But it still made money. It was still like seven point something on IMDb, the second one. Yeah, but it didn't make as much money as the first one. Hmm. And it, it it wasn't it wasn't the slam dunk that, that Iron Man had been. Um so the, so he wasn't hired, hired back to the third. Maybe they did hire Iron Man Terrence Howard. Iron Man three made it like a billion dollars. It was stupid successful. Granted it came That up. was after Avengers. It came off the six. It was the first post Avengers film, so I think there was, you know, people were really hungry to see kind of what, what happened after. Um, Which I actually I didn't like. I did. I like Iron Avengers Man three or Iron Man three. Really. I like Iron Man three a lot. I don't know. I just didn't like this. Tony Stark retired about three times. Anyway, uh, so that's uh, John Favreau talked about. Yeah, directed a good job. Good job. <laughs> the music. I mean, it's just it's just metal. You you love metal music. I do love metal and grime. Yeah, movie movie is good. Uh, or music is music's good. <laughs> movie uh, our thesis statement. Movie is good. Music is good. Uh what I did like actually, so obviously Black Sabbath did Iron Man, the song. Mm-hmm. Um and in one of the Avengers movies, the first one I think, uh Tony Stark is sitting there with a the Black Sabbath t shirt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. yeah, I mean heavy metal became him. Iron Man. I mean, it ain't no Wonder Woman theme because it's I think that theme music is from the 1990s uh, cartoon. I mean, was it written for it? Well, I don't know if it was written for it, but it might have been in it. Well, that that's probably all. I mean, it makes sense. Give Iron Man, you know, metal music. That makes sense. But like, like Wonder Woman, like they wrote a theme song for her that was kick ass. He doesn't have anything on that level. I think Black Sabbath Iron Man's pretty good. Yeah, it's not like it's more like the music that plays when he like arrives somewhere. Hey, I'm here. It's not like yeah, like the Avengers have a theme. Yeah, it's not a theme, which is a pity. But whatever. Mm. I it doesn't. It's I portray the female characters. The only female character really we're talking about is Pepper and the other the journalist, um, uh, Christine, and the only conversation they have is. Catty and is about Tony anyway, so it does not pass the Bechdel test, right? Okay, which you wouldn't expect because it is kind of creepy and leery towards women anyway. So there you go. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe I mean you could have had some. I don't know. Iron Man like, Two does maybe. Iron Man Two does what? Pass the Bechdel. Who is Carla Johansson and Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah, yeah, that's probably a bit better. Does Iron Man Three? Because Scarlet Witch isn't in that. I feel like. It, uh, oh, your woman, that like the girl he kissed at New Year's. I think she talks to Gwyneth for a while about she other things. Talk in the house, yeah. But yeah, 
Barely. Barely. Barely yeah. if it does. Yeah, its reputation of women isn't great. It also has, like, all... I don't know, like... The, the depictions of people in the Middle East. I'm, I'd be curious to see how that... Like, I, I saw somewhere that, like, there was this Maui actor. Uh, and he's been in, like, loads of films in the last 20 years as, like, terrorist number four. <laughs> and because he's, like... Um, yeah. not even remotely Middle Eastern but he's like look I'm in Hollywood I need a job I'll just take a terrorist job and he's been in all these films and I feel like this film is a real case of that it was like lots of brown people just being yeah, like yeah, just yeah. here you go you're a, you're a terrorist yeah. but yeah so that, 2008 I don't you wouldn't I don't think that nowadays at, at, even 2008 it's not that long ago but I think we have moved on well I have a very kind of I might even edit this out if you, you can tell me if this is a shite thesis statement <laughs> okay it's time for Paul's thesis statement uh, this is more of like a little anecdote about a Facebook post that I put up on my on my Facebook uh, after I saw Iron Man 3 that got a lot of traction like and kind of like angry it was like the first time I had kind of put anything on Facebook that like people were like like people the other way you have loads of friends on Facebook but you interact with like 20 of them Mm. and then it's very occasionally you'll see something pop up that you're like shit that person is a friend of mine on Facebook this was one of those times I said after Iron Man 3 I was like I put up a status update saying um, controversial opinion, but I prefer the Iron Man trilogy to the Dark Knight trilogy. Ooh. And <laughs> I had like even people you, saying that I didn't, didn't bother seeing Iron Man until Avengers. Anyway, absolutely, you can still enjoy things after yeah, the fact. One. I didn't see some like a hot or oh, but even the cinema either. But I love them. <laughs> uh, and I got a lot of people being like, "You don't know what you're talking about." That is a stupid film. St- stupid film. That is a stupid opinion. Because you said that, a you clearly opinion. aren't like, like your opinions. Are, I don't know. People are cross. Like, and people who are like friends with that, I was like, okay, can't calm down, calm your knickers. Though so Kevin Bowie, Kevin was a friend of mine. Kevin Bowie, he and I had gone to see Iron Man three together, and he we had talked about it, and he agreed. So he like came to my defense. But uh, my my argument was okay. First of all. Robert Downey Jr. versus Christian Bale. One of them, they both kind of play arseholes, but one of them, Robert Downey Jr., is incredibly charismatic and watchable. And I just find Christian Bale unlikable and just not a character I want to spend time with. And his Bruce Wayne was not a character I wanted to spend time with, okay? Then if you look at, like, the arc that the character goes on, like, I feel like Tony really comes out and comes off as a much nicer person. Well... I don't know there's like Batman like what's Batman's as a character's thesis statement <laughs> what's this one like like I that, that line I said if you're not the man I, the city deserves the, the person the city needs well I think I at, the end, of, at the end of Batman the end of that trilogy it's that he's um, done what he can and then goes off and has his own life kind of thing he's 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 been the the hero, the villain, come back as a hero, and now he's he's done his bit. He doesn't want to die, and Alfred doesn't want him to die, so he goes off and actually just lives a normal life. I suppose I just kind of find him just very joyless in his superdom, which is fair enough, but it's just not something but I... That's who Batman is, though, really, isn't it? Well, I don't necessarily agree with that, because I love Batman comics, and I would much rather read a Batman comic than an Iron Man comic. I have, like, 20 Batman comics. I don't think I have one. 
Um, when I say comics, I mean graphic novels, trades. But uh, anyway, so, so I just don't find him a hero I want to spend time yeah. with. And then, like, if you think of like the the the, the love interest, like Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper is so much more interesting than Katie Holmes or Maggie Gyllenhaal or Anne Hathaway. I don't think any of those are interesting female characters. No, and I do think Pepper Potts has her problems, but she's way more in-depth than any of them. Um, and I just think they're more fun. I said, The only thing I'll say about the Dark Knight trilogy is that uh, Heath Ledger's Joker is a much more complex and nuanced villain than anything the Iron Man trilogy has to sure. offer. Yeah. Who are the other villain? Yeah, Liam Neeson's character. Probably Liam Neeson, Killian Murphy, and... Killian yeah. Murphy's character was good, although and but not utilized enough, I would say. And then uh, Bane. I hated Bane. Shite. Hated him. Yeah. So I think they're kind of on a. I actually didn't mind Guy Pearce in the in Iron Man three. Oh, I thought that was. I I actually thought Guy. I thought that was a bit cringe, to be honest. I thought it was kind of going back to these nineties, early noughties villains who are like geeky and then turn out to be like possibly handsome. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But whatever. I I still think as a whole, I just think when I when I want to watch a comic book film, I want like like flash and like really fun characters that I can go on adventure with adventure on with and the Batman films are kind of noir and they're kind of good crime films but to me they don't tick the box for like a really good comic book film mm. and these this trilogy does um, so so it's not a thesis statement it's, it's just reiterating uh, that I was right back in 2013 when I said this I don't think it's I'm right I just think I mean <laughs> I, I, you, yeah I just I enjoy these films more than the Dark Knight trilogy and that is so to all those haters back in 2013 on my Facebook in your face exactly <laughs> okay so we have to put this on our list uh, okay I just looking at the list I would put this about 8 between 8 and 10 I think so at number 8 we have Widows at number 9 we have Fish Call Wanda at number 10 we have Mira's Wedding so we're saying that's what I'm saying what do you think some like a half hitter on the roof Wonder Woman right, it's, I don't think it's I think it's like I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's a real popcorn movie, really. It's a really one. popcorn film. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess you could say the same about Wonder Woman, but I feel like Diana, and I just there's a pureness about that, and the, I think the action scenes are better in Wonder Woman. I think the music's a bit better. I think Chris Pine is a more in-depth character than Pepper. So that's why it's, I think it, the Wonder Woman's a better film, a more complex film, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. As I said at the start, Iron Man is not a complex film. You know, there's not no, a, there's no complex plot or anything like that it's i do think tony is a complex character yeah but mm, you, do, you you kind of you see that later on you know you oh i think you that. see it in this it's funny though like tony for all his flaws and for all his um self-absorbed ego you know antics or whatever is the one ultimately who sees the danger sees it coming is a weapon specialist and is you know the one who is most concerned about yeah so, i mean he's the main character of the mcu so that's why it'll be really interesting to see how it continues isn't it him. funny that a b ish slash c character became the main i character? know and that's amazing that it, yeah. it has and like like wolverine 
like he's lost his his like Wolverine. He was overused, and yeah. I mean, you could say Spider Man was overused, and I feel he's still in the spotlight. I miss Spider Man's still in the spotlight. Thank and God, we've seen of three. Tom we've seen three depictions of Spider Man. We've only seen one. Well, like we were only talking about this the other day. Spider Man in Civil War when he goes to get Spider Man, he just says, "Whenever whatever happened happened, I I became you know I got all these heightened senses." They don't have a backstory. It doesn't yeah. matter. No, but fair to be yeah. But look, if we're talking about Wolverine, we've never really had a. Oh, I guess there was Wolverine: The Origins, which is a terrible film. But like, I don't feel like Wolverine has been overdone to death we've just had Hugh Jackman play him a lot of times like we've had three actors play Spider-Man and we've had one actor play Wolverine so I feel like I am ready for a really really good Wolverine on screen mm. I am ready for a short little Danny DeVito type actor <laughs> not now but like you know I don't want like a big hunk muscle Mary playing Wolverine I want a short scrappy hairy man playing Wolverine who has not got a love interest who fancies Jean and Jean's like no you're yeah, grand actually I don't actually want Jean <laughs> on Storm and Wolverine. Anyway, where are we uh, putting on our list? Uh, <laughs> I would probably put it. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Let's go with number eight. So it's pushing widows down. Pushing widows down. Okay. Yeah. yeah lovely. Okay. Okay. So sticking Iron Man at number eight on, on our, our list. list. Before we do one more thing, do you know who was nearly cast as Iron Man? And thank God he wasn't. Oh, I. There was two. I two think. actors. Tom Cruise. Yes. And Nicholas Cage. Yes. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage would oh. have been dreadful. He got to play Ghost Rider. Yeah. And then Tom Cruise, I think, probably would have been a good film, but he would have been bigger than the franchise. It would have been a Tom Cruise film. And, and it would have been Tom Cruise. He wouldn't have been Tony Stark. He yeah, he would have Cruise. been Tom Cruise. And one thing about this, even though Robert Downey Jr. is a big personality, this is about Iron Man. You know, it's not about it's not about Robert Downey Jr. So yeah, thank God, thank God, thank God. Okay, so we need two more movies to continue our superhero series. Okay, uh, I'm going to stick with uh, my pick last week, which was uh, Batman Returns from '92. Okay, um, I am going to pick Batman, the original, the original, which is '89. Okay, so. Both Michael Keaton Batmans. I think if we're doing Superhero Week, it would be weird not to do Batman. Yeah, and, and they are considered, I suppose. Well, I don't know about the Dark Knight series. I would have considered them probably the best Batman. I think the Dark Knight is a, a, is probably considered a more. Yeah. Yeah. But this is the first time you've seen it on screen. Um, I know I ragged a little bit on the Dark Knight. I do like those films. I just don't. They don't scratch my Batman itch, and I love Batman. Well, we can't do them now anyway. We can't. But <laughs> I, I love Batman. I love him so. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Okay, so heads or tails? Honestly, I don't care if I win or not. Uh, heads. Heads, okay. So heads is Batman and tails is Batman Returns. Tails! Okay, Batman Returns. So kind of happy with that. But we'll watch them both, I think. Yeah, we'll watch them both. Awesome. Okay, awesome. Great. Well, listen there. Thanks for listening, yeah. guys. I feel like I should say some quippy Iron Man remark, but I'm not as smart as Tony Stark, mm. so. What are you without the suit? Genius, philanthropist, playboy. playboy. Check it. Oh, you know, tell, tell people about our handles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so don't forget. Where is that thing? 
So don't forget, guys, you can follow us on Twitter at Silver Screamers. You can email us, silverscreamers.gmail.com. You can visit our website, www.silver-screamers.com. Follow us on Facebook, Silver Screamers Podcast. Instagram, Silver Screamers Podcast. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and the Apple Podcast app on your Apple devices. Tweet us, like us, review us, rate us, send us an email. Keep it all nice and friendly. And that's about it. Thanks, guys. Bye.